0: finishing up our series on integrity today and if you're just joining us um if, you, if you're inspired by today's message and you want to get caught up and you want to hear the rest of these, they're on YouTube, they're on Facebook, they're on Spotify, they're at anchoredhope.church. Um, you know, I don't know if you know this or not, Facebook just added podcasts. So their message too is in podcast form. You can actually download it and not use your Wi-Fi um, and, and not have me in video form when you're driving to work if you want to get caught up on these. And so there's lots of different places you can get caught up on. But before we begin, I want to ask you a question, okay? And the question is this, is, is it possible, just think about this for a minute, is it possible, is it possible to stay out of trouble and not help someone in trouble? Or here's another one, is it possible to be financially responsible and to not help someone who is in need? Here's maybe another way to think about it, is it possible to have self-control but still be judgmental? Or here's another one, is it possible to to be blameless, but yet unsympathetic? Here's another one, is it it possible to be caring, but but actually not care for anyone? Think about this for a minute, think about this, Is is it possible? And the answer is, yes, yes, it is possible. Kind of a way to sum it up, or it's a way to simply put it, is this, It is possible to be good without doing any good. It is possible to be a good person, but not actually be good for anyone. And this was the biggest problem with the Pharisees. You know, when Jesus came into his ministry about the age of 30, he came in. And everybody was expecting you know, this warrior, this savior, this somebody who, who would overthrow the government, give the Jews back their prosperity. And these Pharisees and Sadducees and all these teachers of the law, they knew, they knew the Old Testament. They knew the laws, the 613 laws that were part of their tradition, the Big Ten, the Ten Commandments. They knew all of it and everything, and they thought they were so holy, they thought they were so good. And then Jesus comes, and Jesus is not for them whatsoever. Jesus is not on their side. Actually, what they start learning is that they are, they are, they are the, you know, the, the butt of every joke that, that Jesus tells. And they're going, what in the world is going on? And the biggest thing that Jesus was trying to show them, the biggest thing that Jesus was trying to teach them was this, is that while they were good, they did no good for anyone. And the thing is, is that this is where we as Christians live a lot today, is that we're good people. But yet, we seem to be no good for anyone. So if you're just joining us and you're caught up and you're already hacked off at me, all right, what we've been talking about is integrity. And integrity is simply put this. Integrity is doing the right thing because it's the right thing, even if it costs you, right? And we know that integrity is is, is important. Integrity is is an important part of, 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 of any relationship because without integrity, well, things tend to fall apart, things tend to, to fail. And when there's a failure of integrity, well then that stress is transferred to other people. Every decision, we say this all the time, there are decisions that are always personal but they're never left private, right? and so being a person of integrity is is important whether you're a christian or not this is not a religious thing it's just a thing thing and you know and i know that we all have this ought to that's inside of you that holds sway over you that that you hold others accountable to and the thing is is that if you hold others accountable to a standard but you don't hold that same accountability to yourself that makes you a what a hypocrite right we talk about that all the time. We talk about not being a hypocrite. I mean, again, this isn't even a religious thing; it's a thing thing. You don't want to be a hypocrite. You don't want to be known as being a hypocrite. So we've been trying to discover then, wh- then why don't people do what they ought to? Because whether you're a religious person or not, we all have this internal conscience. We all have this this ought to that's inside of you uh, that, that that we hold others accountable to. So why isn't that we do it? And the the, the verse and don't Camden, don't put it up just yet, okay? Because I gotta i got to do something to them, okay? And, and maybe embarrass somebody just a little bit, okay? There's this verse that I've, I've given every single week, and I've told you I want you to memorize this verse, okay? I want you to memorize this verse. It's such a good verse. And so my small group, I was leading my small group on Tuesday night, and I said, has anybody memorized this verse yet? Yeah. And, and, and Pastor Ashley said, I have the Ashley version of it. And I said, what's that? And she said, look up, not down. That's that's the Ashley version of this verse. Quote Ashley, Proverbs 11.3. And I said, well, I can tell you as a pastor in your future career, it's probably best to just memorize what the Bible says. But anyway, this is what Proverbs 11.3 says, all right? So the integrity of the upright guides them, but the crookedness of the treacherous will destroy them. And this is the NASB version of this, okay? The integrity of the upright guides them. What he's trying to say is, is that those that look up, those that are upright and those that look ahead, those who look at the end of their life and the story they want told when their life is nothing more than a story to tell, those people look at what they really, really want. But the crooked, the people who just look down, they just look at what they can have right now. And you and I know we have decisions we have to make where you can either take what you can have now and grab it, but many times what you want, what you really, really want, that That has to be waited on. That has to be, work has to be put in. There's no shortcuts to get where you really want to get. So we we talked about during this series all kinds of different people. We talked about you know people who traded in their their future for a bowl of stew. We talked about Daniel for two weeks. We talked about how Daniel he pre decided when he was seventeen. He pre decided uh, to not defile himself to be a person of integrity, and he pre decided that what he was going to do is that he was going to be a person of integrity, and that that took him through fifty five years as a government official. Fifty five years, nobody could find any fault in him. He He was a person of integrity, and the only way anybody could ever trip him up is when they put him between him and his God. But he always remembered who was in control. He put his faith in God because he realized that God always had the final say. So last week we talked about when Daniel was thrown into the lion's den. And, and I apologize. Last week I talked about how the point of the story was, you know, that Daniel was a person of integrity and that he chose to do the right thing. And so I didn't even read the end of the story. And there were some new people at church that, like, were whispering afterwards. So did Daniel die or not? He didn't finish the story. I'm so sorry, okay? I thought everybody knew. Yeah, Daniel lived. He was fine. I apologize, okay? Um, but we, that's what we've been, we've been talking about. But today what I want to do to wrap this series up is I want to look at the best example of integrity that there is. And, and again, everything that we, we learn and we teach, it always goes back to Jesus, right? And so there comes a point in time where Jesus, he, he's taught all of these different parables, and he's, he's, just, he's redefining what the kingdom of God is. And, and what happens is, is the Sadducees, they just realize, like, they are, he, he's kind of making fun of us. He's kind of poking at us. He's kind of saying that, that we're the enemy and stuff. And so what starts to happen is people begin to challenge Jesus. They're trying to slip Jesus up. And so this is what happens with the Sadducees. They, they come to Jesus, and they, they, they say this. They say they looked for a way to arrest him, but they were afraid of the crowd because the people held th- that he was a prophet. So they, they wanted to get Jesus. They wanted to arrest Jesus, but they were afraid because Jesus was very very popular. He was very popular among everybody. And so they say, okay, we've got to we've got to trap him, we've got to trick him, we've got to get him alone, or we've got to get the crowd to turn on him. There's something different that we have to do. And so then this is what happened next. So they come to Jesus and they're like, all right, let's 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 begin this. And they say, Teacher, we know that you are a man of integrity. So right there, right off the bat, we, we see this point in time where we understand that Jesus had a reputation of being a person of integrity. Everybody knew that Jesus was a person. I mean, there, 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 there was a there, little bit of, you know, there's jury was still out of whether he was the son of God or not. People, some people believed he was the son of God. Some people were a little suspicious about that. But one thing that everybody could agree on, Jesus was a person of integrity. So right there, why should you be a person of integrity? Well, because Jesus was a person of integrity. When it came to Jesus, there was an ought to inside of him that he listened to. Whatever he held others accountable to, he held himself accountable to as well. And for Jesus, it was connected to the divine. And that divine was his father in heaven, was God. And that's who he pointed to every time he had to make a decision. So they say, You're a person of integrity. And they go on and they say, and that you teach the way of God in accordance with the truth. We know that you're a person of integrity, and we know that you teach the way of God in accordance with the truth. Here's one thing I want you to take away from this series, is that the way of God and integrity go hand in hand. To be a person of integrity is to be in line with the will and truth of God. A person who wonders, what's God's will for my life? They will never know for certain unless they are a person of integrity. If you're not a person of integrity, you're already losing the battle. There's no way for you to clearly identify what the will of God is. You have to be a person of integrity. The truth and integrity and the will of God, they all go hand in hand. They're all connected to one another. And then they say to Jesus, they say this, and they say, and you, you aren't swayed by others. You know, one thing that, again, they, they knew about Jesus that everybody could see, you know, j- just from the public's view. He was, a, he was a person of integrity. He taught the truth of God. And, and, and nobody could sway Jesus. Nobody could manipulate Jesus. Nobody could, you know, change Jesus' mind, and nobody could tempt Jesus away from his integrity. L- let me ask you a question. How easily are you swayed by other people? Seriously. Honestly. Think about it for a minute. How easily are you swayed by other people? How often or how easy is it for somebody else to convince you to trade in your integrity. To appeal to somebody. To be liked by somebody. To, to, to join a group. How, how easy is it for people to sway you away from your integrity? Well, Jesus was known for not being swayed away. And if God, if you wanted to know God's will for your life, God's will for you would be that you would not be easily swayed either. And, and, and they go on and they say this, you're, you're not easily swayed by others because you, you pay no attention. You pay no attention to who they are. Now, this is what the, this meant and this is what they could see in Jesus. And, and I don't want you to, to get it twisted, okay? Because I don't want you to think, well, Jesus didn't care about what other people thought. No, that's, that's not true. Jesus loved everybody, and Jesus did. Jesus cared what other people thought. And so if you're the type of person that goes, you know, I just don't care what other people think, well, let me pump your brakes for a minute. Then you're not being like Jesus. Because here's the thing, Jesus did care what everyone thought, and Jesus listened to everyone, okay? When the Sadducees, when the Pharisees, when the bad guys, that that he knew, he knew they were trying to trap him. They knew they were trying to trick him. When they came and spoke, Jesus spoke to them. Okay, Jesus didn't cancel anybody, Jesus didn't ignore anybody, Jesus didn't give anybody the hand or the finger. He listened to everybody. Jesus cared what others thought. What he didn't do is this. Jesus cared what others thought, but he did not live as their favor determined his destiny. Do you see the difference? There's a huge difference. And this is a difference that we, as Jesus followers today, need to learn and understand. We do not write people off or ignore other people just because they believe or think differently than us. We care about what everybody thinks. We care. The difference is is we act as if it's not their favor, the favor of powerful people that determine our destiny. That is the difference. And the thing is, is that for each of us, we have we have to have a, a, a decision about that for ourselves do, do you guys you guys want to know uh the day that my wife was attracted to me that she found out she was attracted to me i remember the day it's a story she tells very often and uh i know i know it's on a lot of people's minds cuz a lot of people they they ask me they're like so like why Mike? You know? Because I mean everybody knows that I'm married up, you know, and so it actually came up in small group this week. Somebody was like, So like, why Mike? Like were you out of options or like just like, what was the deal? And I'll tell you, I'll tell you the day that my wife decided that she was attracted to me. So when we went to, to college together, we were all at the same college, and, and Darren, our, our our basis up here, um, we knew each other in youth group, and so we were roommates, and 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 we were we were together at college. And and I don't know if you know this about this. It, it, in college, Darren was the it guy, like. I was his wingman, and he was, the, he was the man, okay? He was the all-star. I mean, you have to understand, we went to college in Kansas, okay? And he was a farmer's kid. He was a farmer's kid, he was getting a business degree, he had a truck, he would drive around campus in his truck listening to Creed all the time, which at a Christian college, Creed is very rebellious. You have to understand. So, you know, he was a huge deal. He had all 10 of his fingers back then. He was <laughs> He was hot stuff. If you don't get that joke, Darren only has like eight and a half fingers. So anyway, but Darren was a big deal. So anyway, I mean, I just followed Darren wherever he went and here came the girls, okay? So one day we decided we're going to go to the movies and Darren got like nine girls to go to the movies with us, all right? And we all agreed we were going to go see the Mark Wahlberg movie, Invincible. You remember that movie? It was like 2006, 2007. It was uh, the, the movie where Mike, Mark Wahlberg, it's a true story, he plays uh, this person who. Who was a big fan of the the Philadelphia Eagles and he, he tries out for them and ends up being like the 12th man and he gets put on the team and so anyway it's a Mark Wahlberg football movie. I understood we were going to go see that. So anyway, we go up to the ticket booth. Darren and his his his, his you know posse of women that he's going to suit, he's going to he's going to just pick them all. It's like the episode of the Christian Bachelorette or something, you know. We all walk up to the movie theater, and we're going to buy a ticket. And I buy my ticket first. Hi, I'd like one for Invincible at 2.30. All right, here's your ticket. I pay for my ticket, and I get my ticket. And then there was this, this girl that was kind of the alpha of this group, okay? There was a girl that was the alpha, and her name was Courtney. And she looked up at the window, and Step Up had just came out. Remember Step Up, right? There's like 12 of them now. But there was one. It was the first one. Step Up had just came out, and she goes, I don't want to see Mark Wahlberg, I want to see Step Up. And so she convinced the whole group, including 10 Finger Darren over here, yeah, I'll go see Step Up too. And so they all buy tickets for Step Up. And I had bought a ticket for Invincible. And so they look at me and they're like, well, we're going to go see Step Up. Just, just come in with us. And I, you know, I'm a ministry major. I'm a man of integrity. And I, I bought a ticket for Invincible. And I was like, no, I can't do that. I, I bought a ticket for Invincible. I have to go watch Invincible. And believe it or not, that is the day my wife got turned on by me. Because she, she was like, my gosh, that man stood up to Courtney. Wow. I mean, that, that is, yeah, that is the guy. That is, that is why to this day she still calls me her little Mark Wahlberg. No joke. Yeah. That's actually completely made up. Who booed that? I heard a boo. <laughs> heard an audible boo in the crowd. Kate, was that you? Did you boo that? Anyway, but stupid, stupid story, true story though. This is the story my wife will tell dumb thing but you know for me it, 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 i took it so seriously and it's, it's stupid it's dumb it's not that big a deal but i was like i was like no i bought a ticket for this movie i i have to go see this ticket i mean i have to go see this movie this is so important and the thing is is that well that's a well that's a dumb, dumb example of, of integrity but the truth is is that all the day you get tricked into doing dumb stuff all the time all the time you breach your own integrity to, 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 to give you know, to, to somebody else, to impress somebody else, to belong to somebody else, to, to be a part of something, how easily are you swayed? What's your line? Because while it's sometimes little things like going to see the movie, you paid to go see the movie too. For others of us, it's, it's bigger stuff than that. And the thing is, is that what this leads us to is, is what really just ticked off the Pharisees. What was the big thing that was, that was looming over them and why they were so upset? And that's, that's, that's this, is that Jesus wasn't good for goodness sake. Jesus wasn't good for goodness sake. See, the thing that Jesus was trying to teach these Sadducees and Pharisees and what they didn't understand is that when it came to the Pharisees and the religious people and uh, the, the people of the law, They were good for their sake. They were good for goodness sake. And probably today, this is the biggest difference between Christians and followers of Jesus today. Is that we have a group that even to this day, even though we are a New Testament church, and we are a New Covenant church, and even though we've all been saved by Jesus, and truly we follow Jesus, the biggest difference between Christians and followers of Jesus today is that there is still a group of believers who are good for goodness sake, who are good for heaven, who are good to be holy, who are good to be righteous, who are good to be good people. But as we just talked about in those questions at the beginning of this message, you can be a good person and still be unsympathetic. You can still be a good person and still be judgmental to somebody. You can still be financially responsible and a good steward but not help anybody who's actually in need. And that was the Pharisees and the Sadducees and the people of the, that, that day. They were good for themselves. They were good for goodness sake. I and mean, today, there's still a lot of religious people like that. Let's be honest. A lot of people who are, who are living for goodness sake. And honestly, when they look at the world and how much fun the world is having, they get angry. And they're like, man, oh my goodness, I just wish Jesus would come back and start smiting people so bad. Like anytime there's news of like maybe the world we're in, they're like, yes, let it be. I want all these sinners to quit having more fun than me. I want to put them in their place. Please do it, Lord. Please do it, Lord. Please do it, Lord. Right? I mean, we do that all the time. And even as a pastor, let me tell you, I'll get this every now and then, man. I'll get a message or a DM or an email that's like, would you quit talking about love what? Would you quit talking about love so much? Tell the sinners they're bad. Tell them they're wrong. Straighten them out. Tell them what they need to hear, pastor. Quit talking about love. And I'm like, I'm sorry. Is God, is God not love? Is God not love? But see, that's what happens when you live like a Pharisee or a Sadducee. You're living for goodness sake, and you hate to see people having more fun than you. Yeah, they're living in sin, but they're having more fun than you. And all you want to see... Is I'm cut down. And that's exactly what they, they were so upset about when it came to Jesus. that When it came to Jesus and sinners, he sat with them and he ate with them and he hung out with them and he prayed over them. He still gave them the truth, but he always gave it with grace. And they hated that. And the thing is, is that what they learned about Jesus, what was so different about Jesus's integrity and their integrity is this, is that Jesus' integrity was a means to an end that wasn't him. Jesus' integrity was a means to an end that wasn't him. And to show you kind of what this looked like, we see this as they, again, continue to question and try to get Jesus to slip up. So Sadducees and Pharisees, they weren't actually friends, okay? They were actually enemies, but, you know, the enemy of my enemy is my friend. So they came together, and they're like, let's join forces here and try to trick him. So Sadducees shot their shot, didn't happen. Pharisees, they're like, we'll go, and they send send a lawyer, okay? So they come up, and, and this is what goes on. Tell us then, what is your opinion? Is it right to pay the imperial tax to Caesar or not now this was still the sadducees i believe and so they try to trick you know jesus you know and jesus what he does is he basically he calls him a hypocrite and he says render to caesar what is caesar's it was a slam dunk very easy question he embarrasses them the crowd goes wild you know they're done all right sit down next person take your turn all right so then this is what happened next hearing that jesus had silenced the sadducees the pharisees got together and then they're going to go and they're going to shoot their shot okay and this is what it says So a little later on, it says one of them, an expert of the law, tested him with this question. Teacher, which is the greatest command in the law? Now, everybody knew this, okay? You may not know this. This was common. Every Jewish person knew what this was. This was an easy question, and they knew that. They're setting him up for failure, okay? So this is what happens next. Jesus replied, Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind. This is the first and greatest command. That was easy, okay? Everybody knew that. Everybody expected that. And that's the thing. They expected him to say that, and then the lawyer was going to give a follow-up question to try to slip him up. But just as the lawyer thinks that he's got his moment, and he begins to open his mouth to speak, Jesus cuts him off, and this is what Jesus says next. And the second is like it. Now imagine this for a minute, all right? It's like a rap battle's going down. Everybody's here. It's Jesus and this lawyer, and they're jiving, you know, and you know, he sets them up and the lawyer thinks he's got him. He goes, ah, and Jesus goes, Oh, and don't forget the second is like it. Uh what? The second, the second is The second, second, is there a second? I didn't know there was a second. Is there a second? There's not a second, right? I mean, everybody's confused. Everybody's like, what is he talking about? And the English translation doesn't do it justice. In the Greek, what you understand is what Jesus really said is that it's not that there is a second command. He says, oh, but don't forget about part two. And everybody's going, part two? What do you mean, part two? Is there a part two? There's not a part two, but there was a part two, a part two that they didn't know about but a part two that Jesus was bringing to complete it. This is what he says. Love your neighbor as yourself. This was game changing. Nobody had heard this before. Everybody looked and thought, wait a minute, what? Because everything to that point was about them and God. Them and God. It was a vertical relationship. A vertical relationship that was very transactional. I throw my prayers and my offerings up to God. God throws his blessings down to me. This is a between me and him thing, and it's all about me being a good person, and if I'm a good person, I put myself in this realm where I am blessable, I am protected, I am better than everybody else, and I'm going to heaven. And all the other sinners are gonna get smited. That was the old covenant. And then Jesus comes and changes it from a vertical relationship to a horizontal relationship. And basically what Jesus says is this. He says, you cannot love God without loving people and you cannot love people without loving God. It's like a coin and it has two sides. That you should love God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. But you cannot love God without loving other people. And you cannot truly love people without the love of God. This is the greatest command. And this is what turned people off to Jesus. This is what really lit a fire under the Sadducees and the Pharisees. This is what I believe really turned Judas off, because I think Judas was truly in it like a Pharisee, to, to receive his kingdom, to to be blessed, to, to get what he wanted, to be the top dog. And then when everybody heard this and understood this, they said, wait a minute. I don't like this. This is not what I signed up for. I'm here for the miracles. I'm here for the blessings. I'm here for the eternity in heaven. I'm here to be the top dog, and that's what I believe our Jewish race is. And I think everybody else is a scumbag. I don't want to love my neighbor. I don't want to love, I don't want to love these other people, these other tribes, these other cultures, these other people. I don't want to do that. And the truth is, is that still today, between Christians and followers of Jesus, this is the divide. Because we all know this. You know this to be true. It's easier to be a good person than an available person. Right? It's easier to be a good person than an available person. And the truth is, is we love the old covenant way of like, no, just between me and God, just me and God. I just want to be a good person to God. I just want to say my prayers and go to church and pay my tithe and, 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 and serve when it's, you know, if for me. And, and I'll just do it that way. And it's just between me and God. And Jesus says, no longer is it that way. Your integrity has to be a means to an end. And that end can't be you. It has to be someone else. And it's no longer about just loving God. How you love God is how you love other people. And the Sadducees, oh, they were struck by this. Oh, they were sad by this. And what everybody understood at that point was this, is that ought to isn't just about you, it's about the somebody next to you. And Jesus, he called them out next. Jesus, just a few verses later, a chapter over, this is what he says to him. He goes, He turns to his disciples, and he's talking about these Pharisees, and he's talking about these lawmakers, and everybody goes, man, they tie tie up heavy, cumbersome loads and put them on people's shoulders, but they themselves are not willing to lift a finger to move them. I mean, Jesus is talking about the law that God made. (laughs) He's bashing on the 613 commands that God gave. And he's talking about the people, the priests, and the the lawmakers and the Pharisees and Sadducees who were responsible for those, and he goes, these people, they are so whack. They they put these huge burdens, these huge expectations on all of these people and tell them how bad they are and how sinful they are and how they're not in line with the will of God. They themselves are not willing to lift a finger to help them. And probably today, if if Jesus returned and preached to the American church, what he would say is, man, you guys are real good at pointing your fingers at everybody, yet you do not want to lift a finger to help your people. You guys are so good at pointing at everybody and telling them how they're wrong and how they're irresponsible and what they need to do different, but you are not willing to lift a finger to help them. And you have broken my greatest command because you do not understand that the second part is as equal to the first. See, here's the thing. The Pharisees were blameless, but they were worthless. And I will say something very controversial. I will say something that might upset you. There are a lot of churches and Christians who are blameless, but that are worthless today. See, Paul understood this. Paul, when he came and interpreted what Jesus had taught, when he taught it to new churches, when when he writes Corinth, he talks about this. He, He says to them, he says, If I speak the tongues of men and angels but do not have love, I am like a resounding gong or a clanging cymbal. If I have the gift of prophecy and can fathom all mysteries and all knowledge, and if I have faith that can move mountains, but but I do not have love, well, I am nothing. If I give all I possess to the poor and give over my body to hardship that I may boast, but I do not have love, I gain nothing. Paul says, I could be religious, I could be blameless, I could be pure, I could be holy, But see, the thing is, is if I don't have love for other people, then what good am I? I'm worthless, and I am nothing. There was a man, young boy, young young ruler, came to Jesus. He had kept every law, all 613. He was pure. He was blameless. He, He was good. He was a good person. He was a person of integrity. And he came to Jesus, and this is, this is what he said. He said, all these I have kept since I was a boy. He asked Jesus, he said, what, what do I need to do to inherit the kingdom of God? And, 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 and Jesus lays out all these laws. Have you done this? Have you done this? Have you done this? And the boy goes, I have done all of those. I am a good boy. I am a person of integrity. Good, awesome, great. Jesus goes, okay, just one more thing. He said, you still lack one thing. Sell everything you have and give it to the poor, and you will have treasures in heaven. Then come follow me. Now, what a lot of people don't understand about this invitation that a lot of commentators agree on is that Jesus was inviting him to be one of his key disciples. We almost didn't have 12 disciples. We almost had 13. If this guy would have done what Jesus said, we would have had another one. He said, well, this is perfect. You are following the law all you need to do is this go and sell all your possessions and you are on the team and the boy said what one thing that's everything that's everything i've earned that's my vocation that's my job that's my that's my title that's my life that's that's everything that i've built that's not one thing that's that's everything And the scripture says that he put his head down in sadness. You know why? Because he knew he couldn't do it. You know what happened in that situation? He walked away, and he settled for the life that he had. He walked away, and he said, well, not going to be able to do that, but I'm still good. Let me ask you something. Has there ever been a point in your life where you've said to yourself, I'm good enough. I'm good. are you good? Yeah I'm good. I'm good enough. You know what? I think I'm good enough. I know if I died today I would go to heaven. I'm good enough. I'm a good person. I'm not I could think of so many people who are way worse than me and I'm not like them. I'm not like my uncle, I'm not like my cousin. I'm not like my coworker. I'm not like that one dude in the news. I'm not like, the, you know what? I'm a good person. I'm, I'm good enough. I, I'm a parent. I'm, I'm a good worker. I show up on time. I pay my taxes. I'm, I'm a patriot. I, I'm respectful for people. You know what? Yesterday, I held the door for somebody. I'm good enough. I'm a good person. I'm, I'm good enough. And we, go to, we always come to these moments. There always comes these moments, these kairos moments in your life where, where Jesus intersects with your life and comes into your timeline. And he goes, hey, I've got something for you. I've got an opportunity for you. I want to take you on an adventure. I, I want you to be part of what I am building in my kingdom. And I have so many good plans for you. All you got to do is give it all to me. And we look at Jesus and we go, I can't. I'm I'm good enough, but that's a little too much. And the thing is, is that for many of us, when we come to those moments, when we come to those times, when we come to those opportunities with Jesus, the truth is, is that when we come to Jesus and we go, Jesus, am I good enough? Jesus says, You know, here's the thing though, when it comes time to love me and others, you love yourself. That your your integrity, you're a person of integrity as long as it suits you. As long as it helps you. But when it comes time, when, when your integrity is really needed, when it comes time for your life to be a means to an end for someone else, and I ask something of you, the truth is, is that when it comes time for you to love me and others, you, you just love yourself. And that moment really, really, truly does reveal the real you. And I know that stinks and that's hard and that uh, kind of cuts, but that's the truth. And, and the truth is, I'll be honest with you, you're not really a good person if you're only good for you. You're not really. You're blameless and you're pure and you've got a good reputation and all that stuff. But but if you're not good for somebody, then what good are you? And so here's the deal. For some of you today... If you're not a Christian today, if somebody dragged you here, I'm sorry they drug you here. I hope you enjoyed the, the terrific coffee we had in the cafe today. It was very good. If you saw, we had Sexy Bo running around making drinks for everybody and stuff. He's single, by the way. He doesn't have a Valentine's date. So if you want to take him home with you, go ahead and take him home. You know, I'm glad you're here, okay? We want you to have a great experience. I'm glad you're here. But here's the deal. You know that inside of you, there's an ought to inside of you. That holds sway sway over you. You can't escape it. You can't run from it. There's like this part of you that you know it didn't originate with you or start with you. You just, there's this ought to inside of you. And here's the thing, that ought to, it's connected to the divine. If it wasn't connected to the divine, if it wasn't connected to something bigger than you, then you would just get rid of it. We would have, as a culture, as a world, we would have thrown it away a long time ago. But yet it's unescapable by every single one of us. And that's because it's connected to the divine. And I would petition to you that that divine is God. That that is our creator. That that is our Father in heaven. And you, you owe it to yourself. You owe it to yourself and you have time to explore that and at least ask the question, where does it come from? And maybe today what you just need is a simple invitation to to discover if possibly that is Jesus. And maybe you've been on the fence about Jesus because you've run into a Pharisee or two or a Sadducee or two. And you've had experience where you've been in a church where it was all about this and nobody ever talked about this. And maybe your life, you've tried to be a good person and you've done a lot of this, but you don't understand that you need this to also do this. I would invite you today to try following Jesus. Who has a simple guideline and the simple guideline is this look if you want to wrap jesus up it's this what does love require of me this is the guiding question that jesus wants you to put into practice in your life is simply to ask this question what does love require of me yeah sure it's more complicated than that and there's more pieces but down to the fundamental that's what it is what does love require of me and for those of you who, who have been Christians, who are Christians, who are members of this church, who are here, you, you're from another church, I don't know what your experience was or, or anything like that. But if you've called yourself a Christian, I need you to ask yourself, are you in that in-between between being a Jesus follower or a Christian? Which one are you? And, and the thing I need you to wrestle with is this. It's possible to be good without doing any good, but that's not a good idea. Don't be a Pharisee. Don't be a Sadducee. Don't be a religious person. Because here's the story that Jesus told He talked about a time when He's going to count the sheep. And there's going to be a time where we go before Jesus. And he's going to say, you didn't clothe me. You didn't feed me. You didn't visit me in prison. You weren't there for me. You did no good for me. And, and, and Jesus, when he tells a story, th- those people will go, whoa, 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 whoa. I never see you, Jesus. And he goes, no, I was there. I was, I was the least of these. I was that person who was coming to your mobile food market. I was that kid who was in your children's department. I was that teen on Wednesday nights. I was that person who was checked in, checking in at your Easter egg hunt. I was the person who came and shopped through at your affordable Christmas shop. I was there. It was me. You were too busy. You had your own things to do. When it came time to love me, you, you loved yourself. And there were certain things you just weren't willing to lay down. And you know, when it came to that rich young ru- ruler, <laughs> after that rich young ruler, he walked away with his head down. Jesus turned to his disciples and he goes, yeah, Boys, let me tell you something. It's going to be so hard for the rich to enter the kingdom of God. Because they've built their, their own kingdoms so high that I don't think they're going to like mine very much. Because what they're going to learn when they get to my kingdom is that my kingdom is not about them. It's about others. Where are you at? And what do you want to do? What do you want to do? Do you really want to be a person of integrity? Do you feel that pull that ought to inside of you that holds sway over you that you hold others accountable to that didn't originate with you to listen to that is to be connected to the divine and to be connected to the divine is the beginning stages of understanding the will of God but to understand the will of God what you have to understand is that it is not about you you are a means to an end, and that end is not you. So this morning, our band's going to come back, and we're going to sing another song, and I want to pray for you this morning. And as we pray, I just, I just want you to just to, just to bow your heads right where you are. Just bow your heads with me right now. And I just want you to have an honest conversation with God. I want you to just ask God, Father, where where am I at? For some of you who, you're brand new to this. You're on the fence. You're thinking about this. I want you to just pray a, a simple prayer. Father, I don't know you yet but I hear you right now Father I I don't know you yet but I hear you right now and I'm I'm willing I'm ready you know when the disciples were invited to follow Jesus Jesus said just get up come with me and all they did was started walking That's all I want you to do today. For some of you today, that's all I want you to do. I just want you to start walking. I just want you to tell Jesus today, Jesus, I don't know, but I'm walking. I'm following. I'll follow you. I'll see where this goes. For others of you today, for others of you where, man, you've been a follower for a long time, I got a tough question for you. Are you a Christian or are you a follower of Jesus? You know the difference that I'm talking about today. Which Where, where are you at? For some of us today, when you to say, you know what? I've done a lot between me and God right now. But I need to ensure that my life is a means to an end for someone else. God, Father God, would you, would you show me where that's at? I mean, there's opportunities galore all around me. There's opportunities at my work there's opportunities in my church, there's opportunities in my community. God, would you today help me to be a means to an end? Would you help me to fulfill your command to love God and to love my neighbor as myself? Even if that neighbor isn't like me, doesn't look like me, doesn't live like me, doesn't believe like me, would you help me to love my neighbor as myself? God, would you do that in us?